Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Talk Recorded live.
thought that they maybe could have somehow do something different. Listen out there in the sound of my voice. You're going to do exactly what God says you're going to do. I'm going to do exactly what God says I'm going to do. Well, with that being said, you say, Apostle, what is the challenge? What is it we need to do? We need to find out what God says we're going to do. Jesus told Peter, you know, this very night before the, before the, or before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. Well, that's what God said he was going to do. That's what God said he was going to do. And that's exactly what he did. God already knew what you're going to do. Good, bad, right or wrong. God already know what I'm going to do. Good, bad, right or wrong. God already know whether you're going to spend eternity in heaven or whether he's going to throw you in hell. God already know. I'm telling you, it's kind of scary, kind of spooky, but God already know. We may have to preach that sometime very soon because God knows everything. If you believe, really believe that God knows everything, then you then you believe that God knows your future. Just like we know our past. We know what we have done. God knows what we're going to do. God, we know what we're doing. God knows what we're planning to do. So understand that there are some musts in this walk with God and this uh, relationship with God. We looked at capital A on yesterday. Uh, we must go through some things. Acts 14, 22, Exodus 14 and 16. It brings us on down to capital B in our outline. We must give an account. We must give give an account. We're going to take a look at Romans chapter 14 with a special focus on verse 12 from the New International Version. Our scripture reads, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Romans chapter 14 verse 12 from the New International Version. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. God. Capital B in our outline, give an account. We must give an account. Let us pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, again, we praise you. We appreciate you. We thank you, Father, for another beautiful day that you have made and that you have allowed us to see. We magnify your holy name. We pray, Father, that you will speak in our hearts and minds today, words of knowledge, understanding, wisdom, insight, open our eyes of understanding that we may better comprehend the height, the length, the breadth, the depth of your love for us, that we may better comprehend your good, pleasing and perfect will for us. Help us, Father, to uh, do the things that are pleasing in your sight. And Father, as you do these things for us, we will be very careful to make sure that we give your name, which is above all other names, all the glory, the honor, and the praise. This is our prayer. We count these things, John, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Capital B in our outline, we must give an account. Give and account. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. As we look at Romans chapter 14, we see the Spirit of God dealing with the two types of believers that are in the world. We understand that there are two types of people in the world, saved and unsaved, but we also understand 
understand that there are two types of believers, two types of saved individuals. Individuals that have one thing in common. They have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They've confessed with their mouth and they've believed in their heart the Lord Jesus and that God has raised him from the dead and are now filled with the precious Spirit of God, even among us as children of God, with the Holy Spirit. There are two major classifications. Bless the name of the Lord Jesus. There are the weak and there are the strong. Mm -hmm. There are babes in Christ and there are mature in Christ. There are diligent workers in the kingdom and there are not so diligent workers in the kingdom. This particular chapter, Romans 14, deals with the weak and the strong, the babes and the mature, the diligent and the not so diligent, those who have been in this thing longer and those who maybe have just gotten into this thing, the weak and the strong. And many things are dealt with, differences that there are among us as children of God between the weak and the strong. But then the scripture goes on and lets us to know that we are to keep something in mind, whether we are weak or whether we are strong. Because if we're not careful, we can start to believe that uh, somehow uh, th those who are strong are better than those who are weak. You know, the adversary can slip in much like... Uh, happened in heaven eons ago where somehow it got into Satan's mind that they could launch a rebellion against the program of God. You know, I, I often wonder about that. Since we understand that contrary or rebellious thoughts are spirits that have been that have influenced our mind, who is it that influenced Satan? Bible talks about iniquity was found in him, but but you know if if he's the one that is being used to influence many individuals and lead many lead the world astray, who influenced Satan to think that he could come up in rebellion to the Creator of all things and the Preserver of light and life? But that is another a message. So the Scripture lets us to know in verse nine, Romans fourteen and nine is that for this very reason Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. You then, why do you judge your brother? Now, if we are not very careful, you know, we can think this means that uh, we're not to judge. Well, this is, again, not what the Spirit of God is saying to us, it's not that we are not to judge. Christ is, is not speaking against us judging so much as he is speaking against hypocritical, self-righteous judging. You, you look at what the Bible says, why then do you judge? See, we have one lawgiver and judge. That is God. That is, that is God's word. That is God's spirit. 
So understand that it is all right for God's word and God's spirit to judge people, places, and things, but it is not all right for you and I to judge. All right, now let's see. Saints, we're having some technical difficulties here. Let me see if I can get us back. All right, James. I think I think that we are back. So again, we, we don't want to make the mistake of judging anyone in and of ourselves. Not even we're not even equipped to judge ourselves in and of ourselves, let alone our brother or our sister. But God does give us a tool that is adequate in the judging of people, places, and things. And that tool is the Spirit of God. That tool is the Word of God. This is why 1 Corinthians lets us to know that the spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is subject to no man's judgment. Why? Because the spiritual man is using the proper tool. A lot of times in life, children of God, getting a job done or doing a job right and doing a job incorrectly has to do with tools. One of the reasons why oftentimes when certain things go wrong with our houses or with our cars or with, or with certain electronic devices or our computers, we have to take them to the man or to the woman who has the proper tools to fix them. A lot of things you might be able to do by yourself around your house, but if you don't have the proper tool, you mess around and don't have a lawnmower and your grass needs to be cut. Well, you know, I don't think you're going to do like a lot. I see a lot of our African brothers and sisters do when I'm in Nigeria. You have maybe 100 children out there with machetes chopping away at the grass. No, if our, if our grass needs to be cut or our lawn needs to be mowed and we don't have a lawnmower, normally we'll have to call somebody in. We'll have to call somebody in to cut that. Bring, someone will have to come in that has the tool to get that job done. Well, what do we understand about judging? We understand that there's a, there's a tool that if you don't have that tool, you don't need to be judging. That if you don't have that tool and you're trying to judge, you're making a lot of mistakes. That tool is the Spirit of God. That tool is the Word of God. So the Spirit of God is asking the question here. He says, why then do you judge your brother? You. Not using the Spirit of God. Not using the Word of God. So now you have just come up with something you think that your brother should or should not be doing. Or something based on a culture or based on society. But why do you? God is asking the question, why do you? God is saying, look, I'm the lawgiver. I'm the judge. Use my word. If my word has not said he can't do it or she can't do it, why are you telling them that he can't do it or she can't do it? 
If my word is telling them not to do it, why are you telling them to do it? Why then do you judge your own brother or why do you look down on your brother? Now, this is what this is a lot of times what hypocritical or self-righteous judging will bring and will produce. Much like the Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law, because they were hypocritically and self-righteously judging, they were looking down on everybody else. And that's what happens when we start when we start judging based on what we think, what we feel, what we believe or what somebody told. It'll cause it will cause a, a conceited spirit it will cause it to start looking down. But when you when you begin to judge. By the word. You first judge yourself by the word. You'll first allow the word to show you that you're not perfect, that you have flaws and failures and weaknesses and shortcomings and lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. Now, now you got God is saying you can see clearly through the word to see what's going on in your brother. Because now that you understand that you don't have everything together, you won't be so harsh and so quick to judge your brother or your sister who also does not have everything together the reality is in this situation children of god is that we don't have this thing all together none of us so this is why there is a aspect of the fruit of the spirit that we want to be mindful of it's called patience love joy peace patience patience Well, when we're judging in and of ourselves or hypocritically or self-righteously judging, a lot of times we won't be patient with people. You know, we want people to, 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 to suffer. We want people to, to die. We want people to give them, throw the book at them when we're judging. It's amazing how, you know, something happens, somebody else do something that hurts us. If we're not careful, throw the book at them. We want the full extent of the law. But if we do the same thing, I hurt somebody else. A lot of times we want mercy. See? God is saying, look, keep in mind, you must give an account now. Each one of you must give an account. For we will all stand before God's judgment. See, and that is that is why it is imperative, children of God, that we get in the habit of using and utilizing the word of God now. Because if you wonder what God is going to be judging by on his judgment seat, he's going to be using his word. He's going to be using what did his word say. God is judging now. God has always judged, and God is going to judge based on his word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word shall stand. So what we want to get in the habit of doing now, children of God, is lining ourselves up with the word of God. The more we line up now with the word of God, the less God will have to judge us for on judgment. You know, I, one of the things the Lord is bringing to my spirit now, when I was a school teacher many years ago, uh, I used to love students that would get all their answers correct on the test. Why? That would make my job much easier because when I would correct the test, when they would have answers right, I didn't have to write anything. I didn't have to bother their paper when they when they had their answers right. But when they had answers wrong or they, you know, made mistakes, I would have to go in and correct. I'd have to put X's, mark, you know, minus 
you know, test with 100 questions. I got to put down minus 52. I've got to do all kind of writing. I got to mark up the paper. I got to do all, got to do a lot of things I wouldn't even have to do if they would have gotten everything right. Well, so it is with us, oh God. The more stuff that we get right in this life, the more stuff that we line up with the word of God in our churches and our marriages and our ministries on the job, the less stuff God has to correct. The less stuff God has to chastise us for. We make God's job even easier when we get it right. As a basketball coach years ago, when my teams would run the play properly and it would work, it, oh, it, was, it saved me a lot of stress. I wouldn't have to be yelling at uh, them for not running the play correctly. I wouldn't have to be sending a substitute to get somebody out that wasn't when they would get it right. When, you, when, when we get things right, you, you talk, the Bible talks about how a foolish son brings his mother grief or brings his father grief. It's one, it's one or the other. A foolish son. Well, why? Because now that father who's, who's dealing with that foolish son, he got to be all down at the police station to get that boy out late at night. He got to be taking time all off his job to, to, to go and get that, that foolish son out of trouble. Whereas a, a son that is wise, father can rest, father can, can sleep. Father don't have to worry about the phone ringing and it being the police bringing that boy home or the police want you to come down to the station to get that boy out. Father can have some peace. Mother can have some peace when you have a wise son or a wise daughter. So it is with God. You know, we, we can we can give God some peace when we are wise, when we do like we're supposed to do. Scripture talks in Genesis about how man way back in, 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 in Noah's day was so wicked heart was continually on evil all the time that God was grieved that he had even made man. God was like, why in the world I even make them jokers? They're going to act like this. They're going to behave like this. Look at this now. So God said, I'm going to put an end to it. Basically kill everybody. Basically kill everything. So we grieve God when we don't do like we're supposed to do. You know, but we, we give, we bring God pleasure when we are doing exactly what he wants us to do. We bring God pleasure when we say exactly what God wants us to say. We bring God pleasure when we give like God wants us to give. When we go where God wants we bring God pleasure. For we will all stand before the judgment seat. As it is written, as surely as I live, saith the Lord, every knee will bow before me. In other words, God said, look, I'm going to get the praise and I'm going to get the, the honor that I deserve. Because whether you believe in God or not, God is still God. And besides him, there is none other. Whether you accept God now or not, your knee is going to bow and your tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, you can do that willingly or you can do that by being beat real good and just getting ready to get sent to hell. But you're going to do that. We're talking about we must. Here we are. You must acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Look, all your Muslims, all your uh, Indian, Hindi, whatever, before it's all over, you're going to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you're going to bow your knee to that, uh, that same Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So then, you know, since... Since God is already telling us what, what must be done, God is already telling us what's going to be done, why not go on and do it now? If somebody said to you right now, all right, if, um, 
want you to you're going to walk down to Walmart. Somebody tell you, you you're going to walk to Walmart. Now they've already told you and you and, and you know and it's true what they say. You're going to walk to Walmart. Would you rather walk to Walmart on your own or or um while you're feeling good or would you rather have somebody beat you up real real good, beat you up real real bad? And then you still have to walk to Walmart. Which which one would you choose? Somebody say, all right, you're going to walk to Walmart. And this is what you're going to do. Well, you can do it, you know, willingly and while you're feeling good. Or, or you can do it after being beat real, real good. But most of us would choose. Most of us with any sense would choose to walk to Walmart willingly and while we're feeling good. If we know we got to do it anyway. Well, this is in essence what God is saying. God said, look, your knee going to bow and your tongue going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, you can do that willingly now. Or you can keep trying to resist and rebel and do it after you have been beat very, very well in life, beat very, very well in your marriage, beat very, very well on your job, beat very, very well, and then do it and then still be sent to hell. Or you can do it willingly now and position yourself for eternal life. You know, there are some of you all on the sound of my voice. There are some things that I knew that God was going to get out of you. You know, and I just watched some of you. Try not to do that and try not to, to. And I'm sitting back saying, what is wrong with him or what is wrong with her? Don't they know that God going to, you could, that, that, that God is going to beat that out of them? Ah, somebody didn't believe, somebody didn't accept some things. But after the chastisement of God, see, after the chastisement of God, then you want to do it. Well, God be sitting back saying, look, if you would have done this from the start with, I wouldn't have to chastise you to get you to do it. Paul talked about how it's hard for the ox to kick against the goads. The goads are sharp, pointy sticks they put on the side of the cart. Ox sometimes doesn't want to pull the cart, so he starts kicking against these goads, you know, as if his kicking is going to stop him from having to pull the cart. Now, take, you know, but here's the thing, you know, ox kick against the goads, bloody his foot, damage his own foot, and then still end up having to pull the cart. Some of you all out there on the sound of my voice, you like that, being trying to be stubborn. Oh, you just ain't going to give like God told you. All right, we'll see. Oh, you just ain't going to pray like God wants you to pray. Okay, we'll see. Oh, you just ain't going to witness. You just not going to. Okay, let's see. When God finished whooping that hind part real, real good, then now let's, let's see how it goes now. Because God chastens those whom he loves. And I want to let you to know, child of God, he loves you. He loves me. And he whips our hind part to get us on the straight and narrow. So each of us will give an account of himself to God. So understand, we're going to have to give an account to God. Understand, children of God, we got to line up with God. <laughs> whether we like it or not, whether we, we got to line up with God. That's our destiny. We've been predestined to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Now we can do that willingly, and we can do that freely, or, or we can try to try to kick against that. But that's what's going to happen to us, children of God. So, what does the Scripture let us know in verse? 13, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Let us stop passing judgment. Now, understand it's a difference between me passing judgment on you and the word passing judgment on you. 
It's a difference between you passing judgment on me and the word passing judgment. This is why, and my spirit goes again to the name of this broadcast, teaching the word. Not Apostle Brian. This is not entitled teaching Apostle Brian. Who cares about Apostle Brian? But what you better care about is the word of God. Because the word of God will pass judgment on you. The word of God will pass judgment on me. The word of God is going to pass judgment on creation. So God said, look, you stop passing judgment on one another. And let us use the word. Let's let what the word says about situations be what's going on. Because see, if we pass in judgment, we can, we can judge wrongly. And we will judge wrongly. But the word of God will never judge wrongly. So instead... Make up your mind not to put a stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Now, this is this is one of the things that 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 we want to keep in mind, children of God. You know, we uh, we want to be used by God, and one of the ways you can tell when you're used by God is what God is using you to do. Is it helping people move smoother with God and with the things of God, or is it causing people's Walk or move with God to be more difficult. That's one of that's one of the ways right there. You can tell whether you're being used by the adversary or whether you're being used by God. If you're being used by God, one of the things Jesus told Peter up around uh, Matthew chapter 16, up around verses 22, 23. After Peter rebuked Jesus for telling him that he must, Jesus told Peter and his disciples he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. The Bible says Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Never, Lord, never shall these things happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block. Well, what is a stumbling block? A stumbling block is what keeps an individual from moving smoothly in the direction they're trying to go. It's a stumbling block is that, you know, in, in spiritually speaking, a stumbling block is, is individuals that are making it more difficult for you or for me to do what God wants us to do. See, my job is to try to help it make it more easy for you to do what God wants you to do. Your job is to try to help me as, a, as, a, as an apostle, as a servant of God, to do, make it easier for me to do what God wants me to do. Well, see, if, if you and I are, are not making it easier for one another to do what God wants us to do, now we become a stumbling block. And that's what Satan does. And that's how Satan uses people, to be a stumbling block instead of a stepping stone. Stepping stone is what will help you go where you're trying to get. If you ever crossed a big body of water or, or crossed over something, sometimes there'll be stepping stones. You know, I've crossed, I'd be in Africa, sometimes got to cross over different things. There'll be stepping stones. Everybody knows you step here, you step here, you step there, and you can get where you're going. A stumbling block uh, impedes progress. A stepping stone aids progress. Are you a stepping stone in the lives of God's people? Or are you a stumbling block in the lives of God's people? If you are a stepping stone in the lives of God's people, you are helping God's people get where God wants them. You are being used by God. 
to help God's people. My prayer is that God is using me to speak words to some of you all out there, that those of you all out there under the sound of my voice that are helping you move smoother and moving better into your, into your God-ordained destiny. That's my prayer. That's what this broadcast is about. You know, or are you a stumbling block? Are you getting in the way? You don't want to give, so now, you know, pastors are finding it difficult to do the things around the church. You don't want to attend worship, so now, you know, it, 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 it's painful to the man or woman of God because you're not there. I mean, are you a stumbling block or a stepping stone? We want to be stepping stones. We want to help one another be what God wants them to be. We want to help one another do what God wants them to do. Passing judgment on individuals, you know, that God has not passed. That's the work of a, of a stumbling block. That's the work of the adversary. Don't put any obstacles. Don't block or put any obstacles in your brother's way. Paul, or the writer says, as one who is in the Lord Jesus... I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. Now, one of the issues that was being addressed was whether or not you could eat all sorts of different things. You know, in the Old Testament, there certain very specific things you could eat, you could not eat. But now, food in and of itself, you can eat it. You know, that's the thing. I, you know, I be in a lot of countries. You know, every country I go in, people eating different things, you know. People eating different things around the world. You know, the last I was in Nigeria, you know, just just recently, and the Lord is bringing this in my spirit. One particular pastor, great friend of mine, his wife, uh, loves cooking for me. Loves cooking for me when I minister at that church. She would bring me food. And the last day that I was with them, she brought me some soup. Uh, I think it's called pepper fish soup. It's like a very... You know, the, the soup is seasoned very highly, and, and there's fish meat in it. Very good. But she brought me fish with fish heads. Now, most of our, many of our African brothers and sisters, they eat fish heads. Well, many of us in America, we don't eat fish heads. You know, so I, she, she, she brought the, the, the fish with the head on it, and I ate the meat all around, but I didn't eat the head. And and when they when they saw what I had done, they were like, Apostle, what is this? I was like, I was like, uh, woman of God, you know, we don't eat normally. We don't eat fish heads in the United States. They were like, what? They were shocked. They were shocked because that's like considered a very very good part of the the food in their culture. Well, in our culture, we don't do that 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 much. So different cultures, different. Nations, you know, and in 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 China years ago, we over there eating snakes, you know, snake on the plate, looking at me. I'm looking at the snake. I'm like, one of us gonna get eaten today. It ain't gonna be me. I stick a fork in him. Very good meat. Some of you are like, ah, oh, Apostle, you eat snake? Yeah, I will. Right now, you cook it up right and bring me a piece. Oh, been in all kind of cold countries, eating all kind of things. And in, in Uganda, they got a, a big rat. 
I don't know what that thing is. Big, uh, I forgot the name of it. Sugar cane rat or something. Big rat. Cook it up. Eat him. What are you talking about? So understand that your little culture, my little culture, your little nation is not the only nation. There's a whole lot of stuff going on around the world. A whole lot of stuff being eaten. So the Spirit of God come in and say, look, no food is unclean in and of itself. Just, you know, like nothing is just wrong with that in and of itself. But now if it's been offered up to idols, this is a whole other thing that the chapter goes into and we're not going to we're not going to uh, go all into that. But if it if it causes somebody distress, like if I'm, you know, I, I'm 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 convinced of the Lord, I can eat most anything if it's been been sanctified by the word of God and prayer. But if I'm sitting at the table and here in America and, you know, you are distressed because I'm sitting there eating a piece of snake, then I won't do that. Not because I feel like anything is wrong with eating snake, but because it's it's offending you as my brother or as my sister. And this is what the Spirit of God is saying. Look, say, look, don't let your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. If your brother, go back to verse 15, if your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Now, going back to the, the pastor's wife who, who cooked me the fish with the fish head or the, the soup that had the fish in it with the fish head. The pastor, once he found out I wouldn't eat those fish heads, he was like, hey, bring them over here to me. And he took them fish heads and knocked them down. I mean, knocked them down. So, you know, in other words, pastor, look, apostle, just because you all don't eat fish head, we do. Give me them fish head. He took them and I, we were kind of laughing at different things. You know, but I wasn't distressed by him eating the fish heads. That's just something that, that, that we don't do over here. But now, if, you know, if, if something we are eating is distressing or causing our brother, you know, some serious or our sister some serious problems, then we're not acting in love. Let me let me leave that alone then. You know, if me eating a snake or me eating a worm, I've eaten worms and Big old fat worms and not just, if that's if that's grossing you out and freaking you out and making you feel like you know you don't know if you want to continue with the Lord then let me leave that alone then let me leave that alone because what we what we want to do as children of God we want to operate in love in the things that we do we want to do things that will help edify one another and again this is the, talking about the weak and the strong. The strong know that, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with eating all kind of different stuff. Well, that's the strong. But the weak don't always know that. Sometimes if you're weak in the faith, you might, you know, you might feel like, oh, I can't eat pork or, oh, I can't, can't eat certain things. Or, oh, that's good. Well, that's the weak. The strong say, look, it's no problem. But if my eating or something that I'm doing is offending my brother or my sister that is weak, then I'm no longer acting in love. And the scripture says, look, then, you know, you need to change. The strong. The strong. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken as evil. Now, this so, so what God is, is letting us to know and what, what, what's in my spirit now is that God is putting the responsibility or more of the responsibility on the strong. You out there under the sound of my voice as a strong believer, 
understand God is putting more responsibility on you. Now, what God is giving me as a parable in my spirit right now is let's say you've got a, a, a 15-year-old child and you've got a 5-year-old child. You leave them home together. You and your wife have to go out and take care of some things. You leave the 15-year-old in charge and you leave him with the 5-year-old. Well, you come back and the house is in a mess, in disarray. Five-year-old is all writing on the walls, doing all kind of crazy stuff. And, and the 15-year-old is doing the same. Well, normally, you're going to put more blame on the 15-year-old. Why? Because they're supposed to be more mature. They're supposed to know better. Five-year-old, little four or five-year-old, they might, you know, you expect more out of the more mature one. Well, so it is when it comes down to the weak and strong. God expects more out of us that are, that are strong. So he puts more responsibility on us. You know, even though we may know nothing is wrong with eating a certain thing or nothing is wrong with doing a certain thing, if it's offending that little weak brother or sister, then, then God is saying, I'm, I'm holding you responsible, strong one. Do not let what you consider good to be spoken of as, of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. So what is God saying? God said, look, don't, don't let the, the kingdom be damaged behind something as trivial as food or something as trivial as drink or something as trivial as wearing makeup or something as trivial as wearing pants to serve it. God said, look, don't let, don't be jeopardizing the kingdom. The kingdom is more important than food or drink. The kingdom is more important uh, than whether or not that sister has on makeup or not. The kingdom is more important, more important than whether or not you have on a, a suit. It, the kingdom is more important. And, and as, as children of God, we are called to the upkeep and the maintenance of the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us. What the adversary, if we are not careful, the adversary will begin to break up the kingdom using stupid stuff. And God is saying, look, don't let the adversary break up the kingdom behind stupid stuff. Don't let the adversary break up the, the kingdom. Don't let our Christian relationship, our Christian love, our Christian uh, togetherness be broken up by stupid stuff. God said, let me get this straight. Because of food and drink, you all can't worship together anymore? Because of food and drink, you all can't fellowship anymore? So we want to, we want to uh, understand as children of God that the important thing is that the kingdom remains intact. The kingdom is more important than food and drink. The kingdom is more important than denominational issues. The kingdom is more important than wearing trousers or, or wearing dresses. The kingdom is more important than wearing makeup or not. The kingdom is more important. Don't let this stupid stuff break up what God wants for the kingdom. For the kingdom is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And those are the things that we need to be focusing in on. Not whether or not Apostle Brian is eating snakes in China on a missionary tour. Righteousness, let me look at this again. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Because watch this, anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by man. Who serves God in this way. There's a certain way God wants to be served. 
Think about yourself out there under the sound of my voice. Every every one of us, there's a certain way we like to be served. See, you know, most of the things that are done for us, why do we why do we go to certain um, barber shops and not others? We like the service. Why do we go to certain restaurants sometimes and not others? Because we like the service. My spirit is going to uh, the last missionary trip that I, I was on in Nigeria. In my neighborhood, in the ghetto of Nigeria, we have got all kind of people doing all kind of things. People selling bread, people selling water, people selling, preparing food, doing all kind. And and because uh, and I'm thinking about myself. There's one particular lady that sells bread, you know, just little bread out, and this is something you know you just eat. I will not go to this lady simply because the first time I went to her, I didn't like her service. She got just as good a bread as anybody else. But because her, I didn't like her service, I didn't like the way she was talking to me as a customer, and I didn't like her disposition, I didn't like her attitude, I won't go to her anymore. I walk right past her and walk uh, uh, out of my way to go and get bread from somebody else. I didn't like the service. You say, Apostle, what, do you, what, is, what is God letting us know? God wants to be served in a certain way. So what we want to do is we want, listen, children of God, let your main focus in this thing called life be on pleasing God. Find out what God likes, find out what God please, what, what pleases God, and do that and watch God please you in return. Look at what the Bible says. Now, let's, let's go back here. Let's go back. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God. Who serves Christ in this way. God said, look, you serve me in this way, you're pleasing me. But then the same way, if you, God said, look, if you don't serve me in this way, you don't please me. So there are individuals, God said, that are serving me, but they're not pleasing me. Serving God and pleasing God are two different things. Because you must serve God in a way that is pleasing to God. Because you can serve God in a way that's not pleasing to God. Somebody can bring you a, a, a service in a restaurant. It's service. They come and throw your food on the table. They come talk to you all night. They're serving you, but not serving you in a way that's pleasing. Somebody else comes, polite, cordial, you know, Asking, attending to. See, now they're serving you in a way that's pleasing to you. Well, we can do the same thing with God. We can serve him in a way that's pleasing to him. We can serve him in a way that's displeasing to him. Our offerings can be the same. Bible talks about Cain and Abel. The Bible says that God did not look with favor on Cain or his offering. But on Abel and his offering, the Lord looked with favor. Some of us, some of us, God is not pleased with us or our offering. Some of us, God is looking at God is pleased with us and our offering. My encouragement to you, child of God, under the sound of my voice, please God. Find out what pleases God. There are certain things that please God. Scripture tells us to study to show ourselves approved unto God. There's certain things God approves, certain things God disapproves. God likes for us to study. He loves for us to come together. It's, it, it's good and, and pleasant for us as his believers, as his children, to dwell together in unity. God 
loves for us to come together, even if we can't come together physically. You know, I praise God for those of you. I'm seeing, looking in the room right now. I'm seeing some saints here that are worshiping. God loves for us to come together. You say, Apostle, what is it? What is it you encourage? Find out what God like and do that just as hard and strong as you can. If you are there as a man and as a particular woman that you want, what you gonna try to do? You gonna try to find out what she like. That's why you bring her flowers and not a cactus, because you feel like you know more than likely she's gonna like pretty flowers. You ain't trying to bring. You're not trying to bring weeds. You're not trying to bring stink weeds and uh, uh, all kind. No, you want to bring her what she like. We understand that as as men when it comes down to a woman that we want. Give her what, what she like. Why? Because you want her to give you what you like. Ultimately, whether it's in marriage, sex, or if you're talking, trying to fornicate, what you giving her what she like normally as a man because you want her at some point to give you what you like. Well, it's very similar with God. Yeah, Lord, I want to give you what you like because I want you to give me what I like. Lord, I know you like for me to present myself as a living sacrifice. All right, why? Well, Lord, I, I know I'm going to like eternal life. I'm not going to like hell. I'm giving you, Lord, I'm a divine exchange. Let me give you what you like, Lord, because I want you to give me what I like. I like peace, Lord. And Lord be like, all right, give me certain things, Robert. I like prosperity, Lord. And Lord be like, all right, give me righteousness. I like hearing your voice, Lord and Lord, like, all right, then, then come closer to me. Whatever God, whatever we really like as children of God, God's got it, and he's got it in abundance. Well, what we've got to do is we've got to uh, learn the secret and how to get from God what we really want. Come on now. It, as every one of you all out there as parents that have children, most children know how to play their parents like a fiddle, like a violin. You know, I knew as a young man what to do to get what I wanted from my mother or what I needed to do to get from my father what I wanted. Most children know. Why? Because the same way you as a parent are spending time with your children, your children have spent time with you. Just as you as a parent are watching your children, your, your, your children are watching you. Something as a pastor, just like I'm watching you all as an apostle, I'm watching you all as congregation members. Y'all probably watching me, too, I'm sure. So we're watching each other. And something is wrong if you spend a lot of time with an individual and you don't know what they like. Something is wrong with a husband that doesn't know what his, doesn't know what his wife's favorite drink is. Something wrong with a wife. She doesn't know what her husband's favorite meal is. Something's wrong with children that don't know what pleases mama that'll get mama to give you ten dollars out of her pocketbook when you want to go to the, the the skate ring something's wrong if you don't know that means you haven't studied very well the individual that that you are dealing with you're supposed to be watching one another we're supposed to be watching god something wrong you don't you don't know you mean to tell me you don't know that god like that you mean to tell me you don't know God don't like that? Sometimes I'll be watching. I'll be like, you mean to tell me you don't know that God don't like that? You don't know that God is going to beat that. You don't know that God is going to chastise that. You don't know. You see, something's wrong. We are supposed to know what pleases God. 
Look at the Bible. Look at verse 18. Anyone who serves Christ in this way. So what has the word let us to know? The word has led us to know that there is a way of service to God that pleases him. There are certain things we can do in our service to God that please him. And there are th certain things that we can do in our service to God that displease him. We need to know them both. Lord, not only do I want to know what pleases you, I want to know what knucklehead, hardhead, stubborn and rebellious stuff I be doing that you don't like. God said, I'll let you know both, Robert. It's important to know the things you are doing as a child of God that are pleasing God, and it's important to know the things that you are doing as a child of God that displease God. So we can stop that. We want to know what pleases God so we can keep doing that and do that harder and stronger, and we want to know what we, what we are doing that is upsetting God so we can stop that so God don't have to bust us upside the head. We must. We've got to give an account, children of God. We've got to give an account to the word. See, you don't have to explain anything to Apostle Brian, but you're going to have to give an account to the word. I'm going to have to give an account to the word. And that's who God is. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So when we're talking about giving an account to God, we're talking about giving an account to the world, to the word. And that process starts now for us as children of God. That, that process, we, we, we need to have that in, in operation, just like the kingdom of God. That's not something that we are just waiting for in the future. The kingdom of God has already been deposited inside of you and I. Jesus told one group, he says, the kingdom of God will not come with your careful observation. Neither will men say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is within you. So giving an account to God is something that is supposed to already be rolling in us. We are, as children of God, we already understand that, that we're giving account to God right now. We got to explain, you know, a whole lot of times God asked me, Robert Bryan, what is that you are doing? And I had to be like, Lord, I'm sinning. Lord, I'm afraid. Lord, I'm lusting. Lord, I'm yeah, go, go and give an account. Get in the habit now of giving an account to God. Because you, under the sound of my voice, you, just like me, we will certainly stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of the deeds that we have done while we are in this mortal body. Go on and get in the habit of doing that now. And we will be blessed. So since we, we must do it anyway, let's go ahead on and start and start practicing that now. Amen and amen. Well, the Lord bless you, children of God. I pray that... Um, that something that God has shared has been a blessing to you and help, has helped to strengthen you and encourage you. For those of you that are parts of this ministry, you know who you are. This is the first day of the week. Let us be obedient. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 1. On the first day of the week, let each man lay aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Saving it up, Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. This is the day that the early saints made their contributions to the to the work of God. And I encourage you to be obedient to that. As you do, God will have a special blessing uh, for you uh, and for me. May God continue to bless each of you and heaven smile on you. In Jesus' mighty and glorious name we pray. Amen and amen. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.